0: Kabu is a professional development platform designed to meet learners where they are by providing engaging learning experiences, peer learning opportunities, and coaching. We don't just teach you new concepts, we help you apply those concepts in your day-to-day work life. Welcome to Kabu's 16th Minute Podcast. I'm Rebecca Dabrinsky, the product owner for Kabu's content team and the host of the 16th Minute. At Kavu, we use the term 16th minute for topics that come up during our 15 minute daily scrum, but need more of a discussion. It's a great way to let your team know that you need a bit more clarification on something you're working on, or simply need some time to talk through an idea. Let's get this episode 16th minute started. Today, we're welcoming Kavu CEO, Chris Sims. Our topic today is single serving scrum or scrum for one and how to get work done faster when you're on a team of one. Chris is the CEO and co-founder of Kavu and a co-founder of Sagayo Studios. And as one of 18 Scrum Fellows in the world, Chris has supported and led agile transformations in a variety of organizations, ranging from small startups to some of the world's largest Fortune 100 companies. Hey, everybody. Today, we're welcoming Kristen back to the 16th minute. We're going to talk about Scrumming with a team of one. We do get these questions quite a bit as far as really small teams or a team that is just a single person because it's a really small organization. So join me in welcoming Chris back. Hey, Chris.
1: Hey, Rebecca, and glad to be back on the 16th minute. So Scrum, Tiny Scrum, Personal Scrum, Scrum for One, Single Serving Scrum is one I heard very recently. it's some fascinating concepts, and I've actually run into it a lot in my training. Uh, the, due to the nature of the training that we do, we get a lot of people that are coming in, and maybe they're in between jobs, they're looking for the next job, they're coming from a career that doesn't have scrum teams, or not the concept is scrum in them, and so they don't have a lot. They want to know, how the heck can I get started? And I was teaching a class, actually, very recently, and this came up a lot, where I think there was not a single person in the class that ever worked, in a professional development setting or a setting that would have had anyone using Scrum of any kind, and they want to know how they're going to get the experience. Now, I've always talked about Scrumming your life. Uh, Kim Antello, one of my really good friends and mentors, she talks about using Scrum to plan your family vacation or plan your family life, and I think that's a really important tool because a really important concept that translates into this concept of Scrum for One. And we're not the first person to ever talk about it. There are some people that have definitely looked into it before and talked a little bit about it, but it's not a lot of people. Partly because Scrumming with one person is difficult because you have a Scrum master, a product owner, a developer, and you have someone that's having to do all three roles. And that can be a little bit weird and a little bit contrived. So, And we'll get in. I know you got some more questions along these lines, but something to consider is that Scrum as a framework is a framework that allows you to prioritize work, get more accomplished and create more value by focusing on the right things. And those concepts, having someone that's helping you get better at what you do, having someone help understand vision and priority and having someone that is really good at at executing and getting things done, uh, Works really well in our personal life, and you can do it with one person. You just take, put on different hats at times, and you say, "Hey, sometimes I'm going to look at how I'm going to get better as a human being. And I put on my scrum master hat and I evaluate the work that I'm doing and how I'm getting it done, and is there a way that my process can get better? Do different tools, different training, those kinds of things. And then you put on the other hat, which is the vision hat. Hey, am I going in the right direction? Am I, I accomplishing the things in my life that I want to accomplish? Not that you have to accomplish things to have value, but in doing that, make sure that you're being intentional. And so you put on your product owner hat and you focus on that. And then sometimes you have to do stuff. You can't think about it. You can't talk about how you get done. You actually have to go do something. And so we put on our developer hat and we go execute on it. So the concepts of Scrum work really, really well in your personal life. They do have to be adapted, though.
0: Yeah, I remember we did the uh, vacation planning exercise in my Scrum boot camp. So that was a, a really good way to, I think, internalize the example. So it's a little more relatable when you're planning an outing or planning an evening out or planning a vacation. So you can see in your real life this, the adaptations and how Scrum can help. And like I said, I do really, I like that. We, we hear we a lot of people, uh, you know, Kelly and Scrum saving her marriage, which is always one of our favorite stories. But I think one of the things that also comes up is especially in the startup world where you have departments of one and teams of one and not every team is one. Sometimes you have team that has about four people on it and then the next department only still has one person. Uh, How do you install Scrum? I guess install is probably not my best word for it right now, but how do you introduce Scrum to a whole organization when not every organization has full teams.
1: Yeah. And that's a, all happens at Kabu, we have a content team, which has people on it. And then we have maybe our growth team, which has contractors, external people, but no one full time other than our chief growth officer. Out of it. And so you run into these situations, but it's just like personal scrap. You are going to, you don't have to do the full heavyweight framework, not that Scrum's a heavyweight framework, but it can feel that way if you're a single person and you're trying to go through all the stuff, but you still need to do the roles. Ideally, in a team, you work like in a team of one, You make sure that you're getting good vision, uh, working with other product owners to help set your vision, but there are times you need to put your product owner hat on and you act like a product owner and you decide here, again, here are the big goals that we're trying to achieve. Sometimes you put your Scrum Master hat on and you look at your process. How is my process going? What's one thing I can do to get my next, for next week to be even better than this week? And then sometimes you got to go do stuff. It's not ideal. In a professional setting, you're not going to get the same increase in value that you're going to get with a team. Uh, sole contributors can do phenomenal work and do all the time, but a team will always be superior. You're going to get different perspectives and insight guidance and we know that teams are better. But in small organizations, say like Kavu, which has eight people, sometimes you have much smaller groups that don't have the luxury of that. Um don't complain when you don't get all the same value that you expect in Scrum. Scrum, you know the Scrum guidance says, hey, if you you can do other stuff, but if you don't do this, don't expect the same value. And that is very true. You're gonna have things that are downsides uh, to that. But the concept's the same, make your backlog visible. Prioritize your backlog, understand and decide the things that are most important based on what your stakeholders and your customers are saying is important and valuable to them. Evaluate the things that you can do to get better and commit to doing something to get better every single day, every single sprint, try to do something to get a little bit better. Archives in. Scrum Master is going to help. And then figure out ways to execute on and get really, really freaking good at the craft, at your skill. If you're a marketing person, understand and be learning and getting to go to that marketing and how to execute on that. If you're a content designer or a curriculum designer, understand your tools and constantly be finding time to stretch yourself in those. Uh, if you're a waiter and a sommelier and you're at a restaurant, you're at a heart surgery, uh, heart surgery hospital, uh, we've seen Scrum in all of these places. Do the roles. Someone focusing on vision, your product owner, someone focusing. On the process and getting better, someone focusing on doing the work. Sometimes those are just different hats that a single person is wearing.
0: So, what—that's a discussion that that I've been having internally with some of uh, the folks who are a little bit newer to CAVU and to Scrum. Um, one of the things that I see as important is if you can start working on the Scrum this tiny Scrum, single serving Scrum, it'll be easier to get your team acclimated to continuing to use Scrum when you get to add more people to your team. So would you uh, would you coach towards that kind of scenario where you are doing your Scrum of one and then when you bring somebody in, then you can show that person, how it's going, and then incorporate them into the team that way?
1: Yeah, absolutely. With, with a caveat. So it is important that we practice it. If you wait to until you have people to figure out how to scale, how to do things, it's just going to slow you down. You always need to be preparing what happens when I have two people? What happens when I have four people? What happens when I have eight people working on this? How are we going to handle these? You don't want to plan for every possible scenario, but you do want to be considering it. And so doing Scrum early when you're smaller makes it easier as you grow and get more people. Now, the more people you add to your team, the more perspectives you're going to have. It is important. So this is my caveat. So just because you're doing it one way, when you're one person, when you get four people and you get different perspectives, you have to take their perspectives into account. It -hmm. is no longer a single person's goal. It is now the single person plus the entire team. And, And in Scrum, we don't, Win or lose as an individual, we win or lose as a team. And that absolutely, without a doubt, while we celebrate what makes us unique and we value what makes us unique as human beings and we want that input, the team, the individual desires become a little bit less and focus on what the team needs. And, so, and that works at scale. You know, when you go from one team to multiple teams, uh, that's kind of the next layer of scale when we look at that. You're going to have the same thing. One team's desires are going to become... Um, Maybe a little bit different, a little bit different decisions made when you have multiple teams or team of teams working together. And when you have team Mm -hmm. of teams, it's going to be the same concept. So, my caveat is yes, do it. Be prepared to adapt as more people have different perspectives and you bring those perspectives in.
0: So, when you're going from a scrum of one into, let's say, you have an operations person and they hire someone to work, whatever. We'll call it bookkeeping uh, for lack of a an, a thing. Do you think, or would you coach, I shouldn't say do you think, would you coach that the original person becomes the product owner? Well,
1: that's, so no, not necessarily. Maybe. Okay. But uh, I'll give the product own, product manager, project manager answer. It depends. Sure, they'll be the product owner if they need to be the product owner, if they they have the ability to understand vision and all that. But maybe the person to bring on might be better at, at the product owner skills. And they should, you know, because there's no, in Scrum, Scrum Master, Product Owner, and Developer are equal roles. Uh, they're, they're like the legislative, judicial, and executive branch of the U.S. government. Um, they're, they all have their roles that they have a th- absolute authority on, but they mm-hmm. work together at equal level. It's the same exact concept in Scrum. Uh, so bring the person on and find the skills and roles that make sense based on who you're bringing in. And then you get into a little bit of potential anti-patterns. When we put product owners We'll uh, wave one and they become the manager. And mm-hmm. I do want to really coach, and you'll hear me say it a lot, like that is having any one of the roles be the boss of the others is highly problematic and will cause anti-patterns. In scrum in really effective organizations, I like to bring the personnel management, not the getting stuff done, not the telling what people what to do. We don't need to do that anymore. We don't have to tell people what to go do. We point them in the direction we need them to go and we let smart people get there. But the leadership, the career development, the raises, the counseling, uh, things that can't happen, things that ideally we can have some of that happen inside the team. But if it needs to go outside, I want it to be outside the team. Let someone else do that stuff because mm-hmm. it's it weird. When the product owner is your boss and can fire you, then you don't say no to the product owner. And the team has to be able to say no to the product owner. Uh, the team, the developers have to be able to say no to the product owner. The Scrum Master has to be able to give feedback to the product owner in the direction that he or she or they are moving in. And all of that's got to work. It works much better when you neither one or the boss.
0: Yes, I've seen that with us. So with my team, I am the product owner and I'm also their supervisor. So it does become a challenge sometimes. We have settled in to some really good feedback loops and uh being really candid but i've noticed there's always because there's that c in front of my title you know there's a little bit of deference until i say i may not be right on this we need to have a discussion so i think as a product owner who doesn't have the luxury of not being a supervisor right now, because we're really small. Um, Sometimes I need the coaching to make sure that I'm not accidentally or inadvertently causing those anti-patterns within my team also. Um, It
1: is hard to do, no matter how good you are. That is a really extremely difficult thing to do from human psychology and, and group psychology interactions all that kind of stuff. Now, if you're in, we're in the United States, t- tends to be a very low power distance culture. And power distance is the perception that someone that is a super, the perception that a uh, line worker might have to their leaders. How big is that depth? Is that perception? Some cultures have very high power distance. The higher up, higher up in quotations you get in the organization, the more deference, the more fear you have around it, the more you're a lot more likely you are to cover up bad things uh, and to talk about only good things. We talk about yes, people, you know, you don't want your yes man on your organization. Thankfully in the United States and in our team, we have a very low power distance culture. And so it allows us to navigate that a little bit. Mm-hmm. But as you said, we have problems. Uh, and that is something that, you know, it is an organizational, we've identified that as an organization, something to go work on. We're accepted that issue now knowing that over time we need to adapt and improve and change as we're able to add more people and grow and do things in different ways. Um, so you always have to be expecting and adapting when you do these things. Scrum is a framework. There is no law that says, if you don't do it, that, that Jeff Sullivan and Kinshweber will come down and slap you on the wrist. Uh, <laughs> uh, they invented Scrum. They get to say what Scrum is, but they don't get to say how we embody it. That said, you also can't complain if you're doing things that are different from the Scrum Guide if you don't get the benefits that you're looking in Scrum or the things that we see effective teams do. Mm-hmm. Uh, so identify that, constantly inspect and adapt, find ways to improve. But please, if you can handle it, don't let your product owners be the boss. Um, find another ways to do that. And I'm saying that as the CEO of a company that has product owners as bosses, <laughs> we acknowledge that we have to go change that, but
0: and you know, as um, what is it, the old GI Joe cartoon, and knowing is half the battle. I think right. when you understand that that's where your organization is right now, and you have leadership that are self-aware and understand they need to keep an eye on those things. Right. I mean, we're not perfect at it, but. We see it and we can help each other mitigate those kinds of problems uh, if they do and when they do arise. I shouldn't say if, if they're going to arise. So when they arise, having someone internally that you can get that coaching from, I think has been one of those things within our organization that we're doing really well. So we have that, we have the luxury, well, we have the luxury of having a scrum fellow as our ceo which not every organization does have that luxury but we also have we also have those professional coaching too because we do we don't just teach you scrum as part of the kavu platform we coach you in it and help you apply it so we have that depth inside that uh we definitely take advantage of so let's get back to the whole single serving tiny scrum Um, if you have someone who's come on, they're getting acclimated into learning scrum, they may not have been familiar with it, but they are the person like an office manager. I think that's a really great, because there's so many bouncing balls when you're an office manager. How would you recommend that position, that kind of position to get started with tiny scrum?
1: So Scrum at its core is is easy. It's extremely easy. First thing, make a list of all the stuff you got to get done. Prioritize that list. Find the thing, and the thing that goes at the top is the thing that creates the most value in the world for the least amount of effort. So find the things that are the easiest to do that are going to make the biggest bang for the buck. Get that list to the top. Once you have that prioritized list, then pick a day that you're going to start and work in a five business day or one week Cycle. So we'll start on. Let's say you're going to start on Wednesday because Wednesdays are a great days to start things like this. Uh, so Wednesday we come in. All right, here's my list of everything that I'm doing. I'm going to pick the top two, three, or five things that I'm going to get done over the next five days, or ten or twenty, whatever your your backlog is like. Just pick the things, and you are committing to getting that done. You're not going to bring other things in until all that work is done. That is the focus that you're doing. You might want to set some time aside for interrupts, but make that list. Pick a day, pick the top few things that you want to get done, and then do them. At the very, every single day of that sprint, just make sure you're on track. Go look at the list that you committed to and are you still getting it done? Make sure and make small changes to the schedule and adjust it if you need to. When you get to the very end of that five-day period, back on the next Tuesday or Wednesday, um, get some people to room. hey, here's what I did. Do you have any feedback for me? How can I get better? Here's what I'm planning on doing next. Get feedback from other people in your office. uh, So you know that you're building in the right direction. Reprioritize that backlog of everything you have listed. Take a few minutes to look at what you did and find one thing that you want to do to get better. Maybe it's one skill you want to learn. Maybe it's one uh, different way of sorting your files or structuring the office or coming in at different times or giving keys Find one thing that you want to do to get better. That goes at the top of your list. And then on the next day, plan, pick everything in, do the exact same thing that you did that first day, do it again, and then just wash rinks repeat forever and ever and ever. You're always picking something to get a little bit better. You're keeping a prioritized backlog, you're committing to things and you're getting feedback on if they're done. You can do that if you're a team of five. you do that in a team of one, you can do that if you're in a business, an office manager, if you're a heart surgeon, or if you're a human being looking for your next job. You can do the exact same thing. So Scrum, those concepts, and that is Scrum in the smallest, it's not the quickest I could describe it, but it is a pretty dang quick way of describing what Scrum is. Uh, and do that over and over. It's easy.
0: So I have actually, this brings up another question for me that uh, that occurred to me while you were talking. We track velocity as a team. Is it important to track your velocity when you're a team of one?
1: So velocity for those that don't know is just a measure of how much work you get done in a period of time. So you your team commits to getting work, you look at all the work you did in a five-day period or 10 day or however long your sprints are. uh, You take three weeks of that or three sprints of that, average that together, that gives you a velocity. You're trying to plan how much you bring into the sprint based on how much you're typically getting done. Guess what? As a human being, you need to be very sensitive. You need to care about yourself and you need to look at the typical amount of work you can get done. And if you overcommit to it, you're going to be working long, miserable hours. You're going to hate your life, get sad, get sick, get depressed, all that kind of stuff. The sustainable pace using yesterday's weather or velocity is the way to kind of get through that. So, absolutely sprung for one, measure your velocity. The way you do that, you can do it really easy. If it's just one person, don't even worry about estimating. How many tasks can you get done in a week? Do I get five, you got a 10, you got 20? And use just a simple count. Uh, there's enough, there's some science out there that says typically even just counts are fine. If you want to get really good, estimate. Go through and use Fibonacci uh, sequence and just assign everything a relative size. That's really easy. So like it's a one, that's going to be hard. It's a five, that's going to be really, really hard. So it's a 21. And then add all those points up at the end of every sprint, see how much you're getting done. Take the last three, divide that by three to get the average. And then that's typically what you're going to be able to get done. If you're doing the other part, which is Kaizen, you will see that velocity improve over time as well. with Scrum really helps
0: with that. I think it's also a really good way to say no. I think tracking your velocity is a way to explain to someone that, okay, yes, I know this is important. I won't fit in my interrupt buffer. Is do I need to drop something else or can this wait till Tuesday or something like that? And I think we get caught up, especially in teams of one who want to get a bunch of stuff done and know they have a lot of things to do feel like they can't always say no. How do you feel about the concept of velocity to help somebody be able to say no?
1: Yeah, velocity, it helps if you add the interrupt buffer to it. And the interrupt buffer is you take your typical velocity, you just set a percentage aside to be interrupted. So let's say, and I always use example, let's say you have uh, $1,000 in the bank and you're gonna go on a weekend trip. If you spend $1,000 on Friday, and everything's booked. You have all the tickets for everything you want to do. You spent all of your money, and then on Saturday you see a really, really cool show that you want to go to. You spent all your money. You can no longer afford to go to that show, and that's a problem. What the interrupt buffer says: I, I have a thousand dollars in the bank. I'm going to spend nine hundred dollars or eight hundred dollars, and you know, I'm going to spend eight hundred dollars and leave two hundred dollars in there. And so when that really cool show comes up on a Saturday of your long weekend, then You got money to go to, you could decide to bring that in. So the interrupt buffer is set your, get your velocity and then set some of it aside for those things that you're going to want to say yes to the things that could create value. Now, ideally what you're going to say is that's a great idea. Can I add that to my backlog and get to it next week in my next sprint? And if you're on one week sprints more than likely the answer is almost always yes. But then there are things that really are interrupts. And if you have capacity set aside, then your team would say, yeah, we can do that and not get distracted. So yesterday's weather does help you say no as long as you're coupling it with the interrupt buffer because the reality is, especially in work, there are times that you have to say yes. There's just mm-hmm. things that you absolutely have to do. And if you don't have capacity for it, yesterday's weather ain't going to help you say no to it because you're still going to feel bad and then you're to end up working. So yesterday's weather plus the interrupt buffer, that's how you say no.
0: So it's that understanding how you work and how much you can really be realistic about getting done. So we all have massive to-do lists that we're like, oh, yeah, I'm going to get that done in a weekend. And then you wake up Monday morning going, yeah, I didn't paint the house this weekend because I really didn't think it was that big of a deal, you know? So um, I think it's a really good way for us to, to kind of track some data on how we work so we can actually work better and do more and make that meaningful impact in our organizations.
1: Yep. Absolutely. It's good insight. And for those that are competitive, I've got a little bit of competitive streak. Who would have thought that a CEO entrepreneur has a little bit competitive streak? looking at that velocity gives you a score scoreboard that you can try to beat. I do like trying to beat my um, last velocity scores and get a little bit better. It just makes me feel better and accomplished uh, with the competitive streak in me.
0: Yeah, I think teams get that way a little bit too. And um but it's really good that you can, the only person though, especially when you're doing the tiny scrum is the only person you're competing against is yourself. And it's just showing you sometimes when you get a little bogged down with things, you can, you can open your, we use the agile toolkit. Um, you can open your toolkit and say, I'm really making an impact. I'm getting things done. It's not as bad as my brain is trying to tell me it is. So. Exactly. There's a lot of in it. Yeah.
1: I do want to put the caveat, like, I'm competitive with myself. Your team could be competitive with themselves and trying to push themselves as a team. I'm good with that. I don't want to see two teams competing for the best velocity. That gets weird. I don't want to see managers like going in, hey, your velocity's not, I don't want to see that. That's bull crap and will cause lots of problems on your team. So don't do that.
0: Yes, that is because we get caught, um, we as humans, um, I'm very pleased that my team doesn't get caught up in that. Um, but as humans, we want to be like, well, my team's doing better. And the way I present it is our team's, my team's velocity is increasing and we're getting, we are getting better as a team. It's not saying that because this other team might be stagnant for a few weeks on their velocity, it doesn't mean that we are good and they're bad. It just means we are working very hard to get better as a team and as people on the team. So, exactly. Oh, this has been a great discussion, Chris. I really enjoyed this one. Uh, not that I don't enjoy every time we get together and chat, but um, I think this is going to be helpful for a lot of teams, not just teams of one, but kind of organizational understanding on how to move forward and get, uh, get better and get faster every sprint. So thanks again for being here. All right.
1: Thank you, Rebecca, and looking forward to being here next time.
0: All right, and that's it for today's episode of the 16th minute and we will uh, catch you on our next flight. Thanks. Thank you. The 16th minute is brought to you by our sponsor, Sagayo. Start your technology journey and transform your business with Sagayo's innovative business technology services. Visit Sagayo.io today. This episode of the Kavu 16th Minute is brought to you by Kavu Benefit Corporation. The 16th Minute is hosted by Rebecca Dubrinsky and is produced by Melissa Blanchard. Audio production is done by Sam Dunn. The logo was created by Melissa Crochet and our resident scrum master, Matteo Antello, keeps us all in line so we can bring you these episodes.